Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. As always, we'll start off with a little bit of housekeeping. So I know this uh, episode is coming to you in, uh, well, two weeks after the last one. So we have had a bit of um, bit of a, well, a few family problems at home. Uh, my daughter, one of my daughters decided to break her leg. Another one decided to almost break her arm. And we spent time in A&E. Um, with that so uh, it's been a bit of a bit of a hectic week um which is why this episode is coming to a little bit late and we'll start like i said with the housekeeping we'll start with a few of the reviews so i say a few i have had one review over the last couple of weeks and it is depicted as loud neighbor so this is from someone called donkey radar uh, loud neighbor this is someone who's obviously listened to the america us uh, the usa uk episode and just said i've listened to every one of the stories and loved them great job from your loud american neighbor so someone's obviously uh listened to what i've said and taking it with a pinch of salt rather than taking it as offensive because i know some people can take certain things that i say as as offensive and i'm glad they haven't so um, in regards to the Facebook group, uh, I know we've had a few guesses this week, and there has been a few, a few wrong guesses, believe it or not. And we will be uh, covering this week the probably the most famous pharaoh of ancient Egypt, and that is uh, Tutankhamun. And the reason we're covering Tutankhamun is because it is uh, it's an amazing story, and there are a lot of weird and wonderful things that you probably don't know in regards to him so we'll look at Tutankhamun himself and the reason why he's so famous now this is he was always known when I was growing up he was always known as the boy king he always had this this wondrous sort of childlike or he was the the child pharaoh he was the you know he he shouldn't have been pharaoh at that time and so on and so forth and you know it had a little bit of magic about it and, you know he was he ascended to the throne uh, at 9 years old 
This was around 1314 BC. So you're talking, you know, three and a half thousand years ago. Quite a long time, obviously. Um, and he died on uh, in 1324. So, uh, AD 1324, that is. And, you know, he only ruled for about ten years. He was on the throne from the age of nine to the age of 19, roughly 1920. Now, they can't they can't pinpoint exactly whether he was 19 or 20, but it, we know it was around that age. And, you know, it, it was a, a very turmoiled time in ancient Egypt at this point. Uh, Tutankhamun's father was the, was the pharaoh before him. Uh, he was called Akhenaten. Now, Akhenaten was very controversial through Egyptian history. And Akhenaten basically tried to do a religious reform in Egypt and change the religion from the old gods to the new gods. Now, the new god that he <clears throat> he tried to to bring in was was a god called Aten, and obviously that's why that's why his name is Akhenaten. Now, that they, they believe that Tutankhamun was actually born. Uh, Tutan Arten. Now that would be because obviously, uh, with with ancient Egypt, the the god that they worshipped the most was their last name. So uh, Tutankhamun is actually Tutank Amun for the god Amun. So whereas before it would have been Tutank Arten for the god Arten. Now obviously. His father threw Egypt into a massive, turmoiled civil war, where a lot of, you know, hierarchy didn't didn't necessarily like that he was changing the gods. Um, he moved the national uh, the national city, the royal city, from Thebes to a city that he created called Amarna, and you know this. Uh, the, that city still exists to an extent. It, it's very obviously very derelict in in comparison to the rest of ancient Egypt. Um, but you know he was he was very famous for you know basically throwing throwing Egypt in, into sort of the brink of destruction. Now, <clears throat> when he died, all of his possessions uh, with Akhenaten were actually buried with him at his own city in Arman so he he wasn't actually buried in the Valley of the Kings at first now the Valley of the Kings is obviously a part of ancient Egypt or a part of modern day Egypt where all the pharaohs were were buried and all the hierarchy were buried and the reason Tutankhamun is so famous is because he was basically the only pharaoh left Come the twentieth century, every other pharaoh, every other, you know, royal or anybody who had been buried at the Valley of the Kings had been excavated or had been stolen through grave robbers. Now, in nineteen twenty-two, on the fourth of November, Howard Carter, a British archaeologist, came across a a tomb, and he entered into this tomb and he found the tomb of Tutankhamun and this is why Tutankhamun is so famous now this pharaoh 
possibly would have been lost throughout history if it wasn't for the fact that he was discovered in 1922. Now, when Howard Carter entered into this tomb, once they'd excavated it and he'd he'd finally entered in there, it took them months to to actually get into the tomb. But when he finally entered into the tomb, he saw an array of objects. Uh, over 5,000 objects had been buried with Tutankhamun. Now, this is obviously quite common for ancient Egypt, for them to bury a lot of their goods with with the pharaoh and no one really took that much attention to it and it's only been recently that you know scientists and archaeologists have started to inspect his possessions really and and to find out you know what what they were and who more importantly who they were actually for now that might sound a bit strange and I'll explain that in in detail in a bit but when Tutankhamun was buried it does seem to be very 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 rushed now when you look at the size of Tutankhamun's tomb compared to other tombs in the Valley of the Kings his tomb was very small in comparison Um, the wall decorations for example uh, very rushed, very simple, very basic. Um, you know, even to the the point that his wall decorations actually have got mould on the paintings. Now, that might not seem very strange when it's sort of three and a half thousand years old, but what that means is that the paint wasn't dry before they shut the tomb, which you know just just goes to show how how rushed it actually was. You know, very other very few other tombs in the Valley of the Kings have got mould growing on the walls. So this just, you know, goes to show how rushed it was. Now, potentially, archaeologists believe that it was a rushed burial because, you know, he was 19 years old. Nobody actually expected him to die. And that's why it was so rushed. The other part of history, which is what has been sort of investigated recently is his successor. Now his successor was the pharaoh I. And I again he he had no lineage to Tutankhamun. He wasn't related in any way shape or form. Um Tutankhamun 19 years old, he didn't have any children. So I was sort of like a royal advisor. He was an advisor to his father an advisor to Tutankhamun and I took on the job now obviously in ancient Egypt that's not necessarily how it worked it was done through through blood um, so when I realised Tutankhamun had died it is up to the pharaoh beforehand uh, sorry the, the pharaoh taking the throne to deal with the burial of the other pharaoh and to make sure they are you know that they make their way to the gods and to the promised land now obviously that would explain why it was so rushed why it was such a small tomb and why around 80 percent of the artifacts in tutankhamun's tomb were not 
actually for Tutankhamun. Now, that might sound a bit weird, but they are buried with, you know, little wooden dolls um, who are supposed to be slaves for them in the next life. Now, these little wooden dolls are supposed to be depictions of the pharaoh and they're all supposed to look exactly the same now in Tutankhamun's tomb they don't look anything like him or or like his sarcophagus and that is one of the reasons why they believe a lot of this material is actually not for him and that could be due to the fact that he he died so quickly you know he died at a very young age we don't we still don't really know the reasons behind his death um, there's been speculation that uh, I was behind the death. There's been speculation that he died on a chariot because uh, there was chariots found in his tomb. There's been speculations that he was a soldier and he died in battle and that's why he had to be buried very quickly. Um, a lot of weird theories that no one can actually, no one can prove. You know, you're talking three and a half thousand years ago. Now, they have debunked some of these theories and we'll go into that in in a bit um another reason why they believed he was it was a rush burial is the lack of care that was taken in removing the organs now in ancient egypt once a pharaoh had died or anyone who died who was to be mummified they used to do an incision on the left hand side or the right hand side and remove the organs and put them into separate bowls and keep them separate now with Tutankhamun the cut is not in the same place that it would be for every other mummy which suggests that it was done by somebody who was not a professional um, at removing the organs now again suggesting that it was rushed and that is why people believe that he died on a battlefield because obviously when he goes into battle he's not going to be taking the best doctors and the best surgeons and so on with him to battle and therefore would explain why the job that was done was was not as expertly done as other mummies in the in the the valley of the kings or in in ancient history so that theory you know potentially I'm not sure how much that has been debunked. There is a possibility that it has been debunked um, due to things that were found on his skeleton. Um, another reason that that theory caught a lot of wind was when they did um, x-rays of, of Tutankhamun's skeleton. They found chips of bone fragment in his head that they believed had happened uh as a blow to the head and obviously the the bone fragments had entered into his skull from there um that has actually been proved to have happened after death not before so you know that that doesn't really that doesn't suit that theory uh when they've examined his his body there's only one injury that has happened before death and that is on his knee he has a very sort of like an exploded knee almost it's really really bad um and that potentially is is what had something to do with it 
I guess that's one thing we'll never know in regards to that. You know, it's not, it can't be proved. Um, however, there are, there are x-rays that have been done on Tutankhamun's body that would suggest that he was never in a position to ever lead, uh, people into battle. Now, this exploded knee theory, this is what links up to the chariot. The, the chariot he, he died on a chariot there was lots of chariots around him uh in his tomb and they assumed that that would be you know that would be a logical explanation now when they've actually you know looked at his body they've realized that he has quite a severe disability in his left foot uh what we would know today as a club foot so his left foot is twisted and inwards now he would have had severe pain with this and you know it's the chariots of the day were they had no suspension they had no there was no way he would have been able to to have fought like that it's just it's it's almost virtually impossible to believe that someone in with that sort of a an injury or that sort of a a a problem with their body would would be able to ride a chariot into battle um, and certainly wouldn't be able to fight so you know that's uh, that's one thing that they have sort of found over the last few years and tried to, to sort of find out exactly what was wrong with him uh, and they have found more evidence to support this you know for starters his tomb uh, had I think it was around 130 canes walking canes he is depicted in certain uh, certain drawings and paintings uh, in ancient Egypt holding a cane there are pictures of him with his wife where he is sat down majority of his drawings he's sat down there's there's drawings of him with a bow and arrow sat down on a throne um, things that, that are you know would suggest that this young pharaoh was certainly not in any position to be be out fighting and be out you know waging war and you know this is something that obviously he had to deal with throughout his whole life and you know it's uh it's very very hard for him to have i would assume very hard for him to have ruled a country uh, especially you know in ancient egypt they they saw the pharaohs as sort of the next thing down from gods and yet this man is clearly disabled and clearly can't can't fight and you know would he have been viewed in that that same light you know that's something we'll we'll never know um and you know the the reasons behind his death are not known and you know we can always speculate with reasons behind his death and and so on and so forth it's not i don't think it's something we will ever really fully understand um me personally um the pharaoh i um the man who succeeded tutankhamun the man who ended up marrying his wife you know him i and tutankhamun's wife married shortly after his death you know the the fact that it was a very small burial a very small tomb for the for pharaoh a lot of the artifacts were uh, were actually taken from 
Akhenaten from his from his father um, and brought over to to be with Tutankhamun. So a lot of his his items in his burial chamber were not were not his. Um, I do think that sort of leads a little bit to that that I was was potentially behind it. Um, but also, you know, like I said, this yeah, this young pharaoh had had a, a crippling disorder with his foot was in a lot of pain you know potentially could have could have died from anything you know I, I i don't i don't really don't really know you know i don't think anyone really knows if if you uh if you know a little bit more about it or you know have, have been to egypt or seen this and know a few more than what i would know then please you know let me know because you know i'm i'm really really interested in this and this is definitely something i would love to actually find out exactly what happened to him and exactly how he died but uh, like i said i think with it being three and a half thousand years ago there's no there's no real no real answer to it um you know that you if you you google it the most the most common thing is that his, his broken leg his knee um and that he died uh, that that got infected and you know potentially but did he really die of a chariot incident when it was i would say almost impossible for him to have actually been on a chariot i don't know um so you know that's a little bit about his life as a pharaoh and a little bit about how he you know what we know about him you know we'd like i said we don't know a huge amount um really this if it wasn't for the fact that he was found in 1922 I, I don't think we'd even have heard of Tutankhamun I don't think anyone would have known anything about him you know potentially the most famous part of him the most famous thing about Tutankhamun is the the death mask um, I'm sure everyone's seen it everyone's aware of it uh, even when I talk to my kids and sort of say, "Oh, you know, will we do we doing Tutankhamun this week?" And they don't know who that is, but you show them the death mask, and they go, "Oh, I know that." You know, it's probably one of the most famous images of the ancient world. Now, there was a conspiracy behind this as well that they believe that this death mask was not actually for Tutankhamun, and that goes to the fact that if you look inside the death mask and actually inside where the gold platings are. I mean, this this uh, mask is solid gold. Uh, you know, to put a value on something like that, it, it's probably one of the most valuable pieces ever found in archaeological history. Um, and this mask, if you look at the inside, just where the face goes, there is cracks or what looks like sort of like a like almost like the face has been replaced so almost as if the mask itself was made they removed the face and replaced it with another face and this has been tested um you know a lot of people they looked at that and sort of thought well hang on a minute the gold on the face is a different color to the rest of the gold um which suggests potentially that the gold it comes from two different sources that the two different types of gold would explain why the face mask had been originally removed and then replaced 
and it threw up a lot of questions now it has actually again this has been tested recently um, within sort of this century and they have realized that the two types of gold are actually the same uh, it's just slightly different the way it was figured so the the gold on the face is actually the same type of gold as the rest of the gold on the on the bust um, and it was all created at the same time so that blows that theory out what they did back in in ancient Egypt was they would use sheets of gold and fold them over so you will see different cracks and different ridges so on the back of the or sorry, on the, the left hand shoulder of the bust it has Tutankhamun's name and there is a distinct line that goes through it which suggests that that the name had been replaced again like I said with them using the folded gold all that is is just a fold of where one sheet of gold has touched another sheet of gold so the theory is there the theory is is wonderful but it's it's not right so you know that's uh another theory that's been been blown out recently the thing that really gets me and i uh i'm not one for superstition but this year 2020 is the first year that tutankhamun's sarcophagus has been removed from his tomb i'm not saying that you know that's the reason but this year has been pretty pretty bad um you know put him back see what happens let's see if uh see if that has something to do with it um the the body's still there but obviously his his coffin isn't there so maybe we put him back and see if uh see if the world starts to fix itself we'll move on now to the excavation of Tutankhamun now this took somewhere between five and eight years for the entire collection to be removed from the tomb and placed in the Cairo Museum and this is mainly due to the fact that Howard Carter, the archaeologist, was very meticulous in how he dealt with with the treasures that were coming out. He wanted to pay as much attention and as as much care as possible with removing these these items. Now, the Valley of the Kings to Cairo is not a short trip either. So bearing in mind you're going back to the 1920s, they couldn't really just... The moving this was very very slow um, they also had two robberies during this time as well so the tomb was not every item that was actually in the Cairo Museum is not every item that Howard Howard Carter actually viewed you know some of these items have actually been stolen and lost throughout history the thing I find very interesting is the, the evidence from the tomb and the evidence that um, you know what had been taken and what had been excavated from the tomb you know that like i said there were over 5000 items there were actually 5398 items found in the tomb which included obviously the gold coffin the face mask thrones archery bows trumpets um, a lotus chalice which is like a cup made out of alabaster array of walking sticks which obviously points to to his club foot and they found um, a metal dagger, um, which you know it 
it was actually made from uh, a metal called meteorite and it's something just gives you a little bit of an insight into how the the metal workings was back in ancient egypt um you know the the thing that gets me is still they believe online and things like that and it's been proven otherwise but it's still online they believe that the mask wasn't made for him that it was made for queen nefertiti um which was uh his father's wife um i just i think now it's been debunked they kind of need to really look at this online because if you do google it it does come up that the face mask was not for him um but it it definitely was um you know it's been proved that it was made out of the same metal and so on so it was uh it was quite quite serious uh, i think you know it it leads people down the wrong a wrong route um with it being debunked you know i think they need to they need to look at that and you know that there's always a thing throughout history with the curses from tombs i always find this the ancient egypt curse like i just said you know put him back in his his tomb you know maybe this will will fix the this year so tombs when they were entered there was definitely rumors of the curse of the pharaohs and you know who they believed that those who entered the tomb were would die um you know they people just just from Tutankhamun um the most prominent who entered the tomb was a man named George Herbert the 5th Earl of Carnarvon who died on the 5th of April 1923 5 months after the discovery of the first step leading down to the tomb um Carnarvon's death was pneumonia um but he, he you know again there were there were studies that show he, he probably you know he'd had a he'd had a, mo- a car accident a few years beforehand and his immune system was weak and so on and so forth but they they linked it to this uh the finding of the tomb and you know there was a study that showed 58 people who were present when the tomb sarcophagus were o- was opened um within within a dozen years eight of them had died um so you know they do believe that there is this curse that if you entered into a a tomb in ancient Egypt that you know you would die or someone you knew would die and you know it didn't stop them obviously but it does uh you know I think it's a I think it's wonderful I love I love this uh this theory about ancient Egypt that it ha- still has this wonder this mystery this it still it still scares you you know there are still parts of ancient Egypt that that scare you um you know what i find fascinating about ancient egypt is you know this the whole history behind the pharaohs and behind the pyramids i mean i'm i'm one to believe with certain aspects of history have been stretched i personally don't believe that the pyramids were built the way they say they were built you know we still can't do it now with modern technology we still can't build pyramids the way the egyptians built them so you know how how did it happen how how were they built and they were built the you know the pyramids were built before tutankhamun so 
you know, the pyramids were used to be the way that the Egyptians would bury their dead. Well, you know, they they moved away from that because it was so so obvious where they buried their dead. So that's why they moved to the Valley of the Kings. But obviously, you know, Tutankhamun as as a pharaoh, very, very short reign, you know, nine, ten years reign, took the throne as a young boy. But, you know, he, he ruled it as a man. You know, a lot of a lot of pharaohs came to the throne at a young age. This wasn't it wasn't something that was uncommon. And you know, the thing with, with Tutankhamun is you're always told this story about the boy king. Well he was nineteen when he died. That was not a boy in those those days. That was a that was a man. That was someone who knew what he was doing. That was someone who was in control. So you know, the death the age of death back back then was, was lower than what it is now. Um you know, really, nineteen years old. All right, it wasn't a long life, but it certainly wasn't wasn't considered short for that time period. So, you know, they probably didn't view him as the boy king like we do now. I think it just gives it a little bit more magic to say the boy king and a bit more, you know, a bit it just makes it sound a bit nicer uh, and a bit bit easier to teach. You know, and the thing I I find especially with ancient Egypt is unless you study ancient Egypt outside of school you don't tend to especially in this country you don't tend to learn it past sort of 14 years old it's sort of almost wiped from from the curriculum so ancient Egypt is not something I think it's something you really have to have a passion in to to actually carry it out past that sort of teenage years um you know the the interesting thing that's always left throughout history and i I do believe it's something that is very important is tutankhamun wasn't found in his tomb alone and there were you know there were two bodies mummified bodies that were found with him and those were his children he had two stillborn daughters that were mummified and found in tiny baby sarcophaguses in the tomb with him and that would also lead you towards I having a part to play in his death because he never had an heir to the throne and this is one of the reasons you know he, he the two daughters that he did have um were were stillborn or, or died at a very 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 young age um so you know realistically there was no one to take the throne after Tutankhamun he was the last of his dynasty and you know it it's a bit of a a sad note um it's something that you know it's it's not well publicized um it might not be it might be not well publicized for a reason um you know it's not really a nice story and like i said you know he's viewed as this wondrous the boy king it's you know it's a really magical story um you know one thing you're not taught is that this magical story has got a very dark side you you know he he had a a severely severely bad disability that prevented him from walking properly he was in constant pain 
Um, you know, he he had two daughters that died in childbirth. Um, it just there was a lot more to Tutankhamun than what you would possibly believe or what you probably heard. And I think, I think the thing with it, I think the reason they're looking into it now is for a long time an archaeologist or a historian or someone who looks into things like this you don't want to be taking on somebody else's work you want to do your own work you don't want to carry on from somebody else and the thing with Tutankhamun is I think it was seen a little bit as a poison chalice for historians for a long time because so much work and so much detail was provided by Howard Carter that you would almost think, well, you know, you're just taking on someone else's work. You're not looking for anything new. You're not, you're not doing anything. I think a lot of historians for a long time sort of just didn't bother with Tutankhamun because it was obviously something that had been done. You know, you want to you want to put your name to something that's new and different, not something that's already been done. Um, and that's why it's taken a long time for them to actually to do something about it and uh, one thing that really helps is in in Egypt they are opening a brand new museum in Egypt and the Grand Egyptian Museum and that is going to really be a centerpiece for the 5,398 objects from Tutankhamun's tomb a lot of these items have never been seen by the public a lot of these items have been buried for over a hundred years you know Howard Carter bought these these items back and a lot of them just got put into storage and and never never looked at really and now they're bringing them out and putting them as a focus of a museum i think they're really starting to look at these items and really starting to wonder a bit more about him and a bit more about what he was as a king so if you ever get a chance that's probably i mean my god I'd, I'd bore the the crap out of my kids and wife but i would spend hours in that museum like probably days to be honest um it, it's something that would definitely be of an interest to me um you know it's something i would love to do and if any of you have been i know the museum is open now well it's probably not open right now but um i know the museum has been opened um if you have gone or if you know i know i have historians that that listen to this podcast so if you've ever had the pleasure of working in in egypt you know let me know because i'd love to hear your stories it's it's again you know i said last week medieval history is something that really really entertains me this is again this is something that i absolutely love you can't beat a bit of ancient history and the thing with ancient history especially the ancient egyptians is they wrote it all down for us a lot of ancient history gets uh, gets lost um and especially when you know you're talking about ancient egyptians when the romans came over and things like that a lot of a lot of egypt was lost um you know the the library in alexandria was lost and things like that so there there were some serious sour points in history in in ancient egypt that you know we'll never know thanks to things things being lost through through history but a lot of things like these tombs um the pyramids and the egyptians left a lot 
for us to analyse and to look at, and it's uh, it's amazing. I think it's absolutely amazing what what they did. Um, so yeah, this is definitely one of my highlights in history, I suppose. So, like I said to everybody, you know, we've had uh, had a, a new episode this week. I like I said, I do apologise. It has taken a, a little bit longer to come out than than usual. Um, I think as going forwards, um, we will be recording one show every two weeks, um, just purely because of uh, things at home, uh, finding the time to to dedicate to a show a week. Um, I just want you know you guys to to know we're not going to forget about you, but we are going to go to to bi-weekly shows. Um, Patreon episode two of Winston Churchill is up now. Um, there is a link on the Facebook group, so if you're not sure how to get on there, get on the Facebook group This Week in History. Click on the link. I, I, I'm sure it's about $2 a month. Uh, I know you can pledge anything you want. Um, but like I said, anything that you you, you want to pay is, is, you know, it's wonderful. You know, we, we see it as uh, as people supporting us, and I, I, I love that I've got some support um, from you guys you know keep listening to my episodes if you do think well do you know what i could give that one a listen you know you don't have to do it every month you can just uh, i think you can just pay um for one month and then cancel it and then listen to the episodes that's fine by me i'm not expecting people to to do it but that's what it's there for you know if you want to support us then then by all means get on there um you know we i'm enjoying what i'm doing drop me a message if you want to hear anything specific any types of history we have covered a few things from some of you guys who have messaged me uh, covered a few parts of history that you guys have wanted to listen to um i have had a few emails from uh, people a little bit further afield than america i've had a couple of australians that have messaged asking for a little bit of australian history i think that would be something i i don't know you know this will be something that i'd have to research myself so that definitely interests me um i'd love love to do things like that where i've got to to really look into it i know a lot about history but when i've really got to research it myself before putting out a show uh, so keep your ears open for that there will be a bit of australian history coming up coming up in the next few weeks um but yeah, thank you all for listening. Like I say, get yourselves on our Facebook page this week in history. Uh, if you're not sure, you don't particularly want to, you don't use Facebook, anything like that, drop me an email. It's twihpod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. And just remember, guys, we all have history, so make yours great. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. 
But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.